8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. Got a fascinating innovation feature coming up at 9.30. As you know, certainly encouraging innovative thinking across the board. We'll talk about take back the tax in the tobacco industry at 9 o'clock. But let's start, as we always do, with the big hitter. So welcome to the show. My name's Ashraf Ghanda. Tonight's big hitter is Imtiaz Kaji, and he knows this. He's always going to be, his job description is Imtiaz Kaji, nephew of the late Ahmed Timol. There's no other way to describe you, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately not, Ashraf. It is... Uh, and it's something that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great privilege to be a nephew of a freedom fighter, somebody who has sacrificed his entire life for me to live in a democratic South Africa. So truly humbled uh, to be called a nephew. But I mean, but I mean, here's the point, right, that we say that because whatever else you do in your life, we don't even know. It, it appears, and I'm saying it in terms of what the, the public may perceive, that here's this person who's this nephew who picks up a case of someone who, in terms of the law, is the nephew of someone who jumped from John Foster Square and who picks up a case because he believes that just didn't make sense and then pursues it. And, and as you know now, there's this uh, the, the finding that, in fact, the, he was absolutely tortured and, and then dropped down from that 10th floor, right? Uh, meaning that, that whereas we'll talk about him, in effect, the, the key person for tonight is you in, and the role you've played in ensuring that I can actually say now that the court has ruled that, that he was tortured and then he was dropped off, which is not the same as, as uh, you know, he jumped and he committed suicide. Well, that's correct, Ashraf, because uh, Magistrate uh, De Villiers ruled in 1972 that, uh, you know, my uncle had committed suicide. Um, and not forgetting that he was already the 22nd person to have died in police detention and many, many others were to follow. But uh, my journey started, um, you know, at the age of 12 when Uncle Ahmed's younger brother, Mohammed, mm. went into exile. And I started asking questions. You know, the one uncle dies in police detention, another gone into exile. Why aren't you home? Why? Because, you know, I found it strange that he had to be indoors at a particular time um, due to his banning and house order. Uh, Weekends could not go out, attend funerals, attend weddings. And then just been told that, uh, you know, he's left the country. So at the age of 12, I start probing. And I'm sitting on Ma's neck all the time Mm. and saying, Ma, you need to tell me about Uncle Ahmed and Uncle Mohammed. And then I start reading newspaper cuttings. Okay. And media must be commended for the extensive coverage of the Timor inquest and from the time of his death in 1971. Right. So as a 13-, 14-year-old, when the family doesn't want to talk about these two uncles, I think because of the fear and the pain that they continue to suffer, I start probing. Um, and on this particular basis, you know, we fast forward to the TRC, my publication of the book in 2005, my... Um, Engagement with the TRC Commissioner Yasmin Suka in mm. 2009. And then in 2015, you know, I make a bold decision in my life that I'm now ready to speak to Yasmin. Because Yasmin had asked me to say in 2009 when I contacted her, uh, look, I'm waiting for you. Can we pursue it? And I had cold feet. From the, from the Human Rights to, Commission? Yes. Okay. And then she was already at the Foundation for Human why, Rights. Why do you have... So wait, let's get this right. To pursue what? To, let's get clarity to pursue what? Remember... Uh, the magistrate had ruled that my uncle had committed suicide. And Uncle Mohammed had continued nudging me over the years that this is something we need to pursue. We need to change the inquest findings of 1972. So 2009, I make contact with Yasmin. We engage on email, and Yasmin is waiting for me to come forward. And I think your state of mind, you know, you're just not ready. Mm. And I had cold feet. 
in 2015, um, and during this particular why, pe- why did you have cold feet? Like what I think your- I think the state of mind. Remember, this is after the publication of the first book. Mm. I'm doing research on the second book. I'm asking very very pertinent questions, which will come out in the second book. Um, wasn't Kalamat's operation compromised? Mm. Were his handlers in London compromised? Um, the police version of events that he was arrested at a routine bro- roadblock. Could that have been true when Uncle Mohammed clearly says that he was informed by Uncle Ahmed that they were under surveillance? So these are difficult, pertinent questions that one is probing, trying to grasp, doing research at the same time, also to try and understand you know, the security apparatus mm. at that time. Mm. I mean, we're talking the late 60s, early 70s. Um, the NC Communist Party liberation movements are banned. Political prisoners uh, exiled. Others on Robben Island, and the apartheid regime is on a high that they've crushed all forms of opposition, and you've got the emergence of Hendrik van der, van der Berg, who's the who's the, who's the founding member of Boss, mm-hmm. uh, links with the links with the CIA and the British intelligence in the middle of the Cold War, and yet the NC and Communist Party is based in London, so these are issues that I'm dealing okay, with and well. I'm unpacking, and I I just have cold feet. That I'm, I'm, I'm grappling to understand this, understanding the TRC process, what went wrong, and then I. So let, let's confirm the, the. So long before um, the TRC came, of course, in the democratic South Africa, when when he died, there, there was a there was there was a case, right? Yes. Yeah, so he passed to, away. So, so he passes away in 27th of October 1971. Right. And again, due to public, local, and international outcry, um, the Foster regime is forced to hold an inquest. And on that basis, an inquest is held. But the inquest finds that he had, he had jumped. Yes, Magistrate okay. Devalier's rules that nobody is held responsible, that he's a communist and he was trained to commit suicide then rather than to betray his comrades. Okay. Right. And despite the, you know, the, the horrific injuries inflicted on his body um, and uh, Advocate George Bezos and Izzy Maisels who represent the family, Magistrate Devalier's rules, like in the 21 cases prior to him, that nobody is held responsible for okay. his death. So that, that's the one thing. So in effect, that should have been the end of the story. Well, right. like, like any the country other country changes, right? So you have a democratic South democratic Africa. South Africa. We fast forward to TRC. Right. What happened there? TRC. We all remember your your grandmother, grandmother. would be so, crying and, and absolutely broken down, right? So Ma is not willing to go to the TRC. She says, "But why must I go and relive?" And because I think of my my, my special relationship with, her, I convinced her. I said, "Look, Ma, it's important for you to relive mm. and let the nation knows." Mm-hmm. And she agrees. She goes. She testifies. Uh, for the nation to watch. And it is when I hear her testify, unlike our other previous conversations at home, Ashraf, at that testimony, I break down. And it is there at okay. that testimony, at that hearing where I make a, a, a silent vow to myself that from this day onwards, I'm no longer just going to speak about Uncle Ahmed. I'm going to do something constructive. The idea of a, of, a, of a book in the back of my head, no academic research, no understanding how to conduct this particular journey, and I start. I start with an old-fashioned big tape recorder, um, locate people who knew Uncle Ahmed, mm-hmm. with no experience going to them, switching on the tape recorder, asking questions, going back on a 286 computer, typing up the transcripts at 2 in the morning, until 2001, January the 30th, when I go and see the minister in the presidency, Isu Pahad. And I tell Comrade Isup that, look, this is who I am, and this is what I intend to do. And I think he was startled when I presented him a draft manuscript. You know, so unlike, you were not talking, you had already done something. I had done yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, I didn't just go and pitch. Yeah. I had a PowerPoint presentation. I had done extensive research. I had a draft manuscript. 
And those of you who knows Minister Pahad would, in 2001 would say, Imtiaz, are you, are you serious? Are you, <laughs> are you prepared are. to work? Right. And I said, most certainly. And then 2005, we published a book. Okay. 891 Imtiaz Kanji with me. And we'll always talk about him as the nephew of the late Ahmed Timol, who, <coughs> who died in police custody at John Foster Square in 1971. You said 27th of October, so that anniversary comes up. Um, it's imminent once again, right? And as you know, that the, the initial inquiry findings then finally overturned in terms of not jumped or committed suicide, but actually tortured to the point of then being thrown down, so murdered. And we will talk about all of that. You may want to talk about talk to him about it because I understand he's now may well broaden his scope. There's a whole lot of other people and their own stories that are inconclusive. Oh eight nine one one oh four two seven eight may I hope it's not your family, but it could well be somebody you know that's has a story that is inconclusive in terms of how they disappeared in apartheid South Africa. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint if you wish to connect with me on uh, Twitter. And you can so tweet that and then tag me, Ashraf Garda, as well as SFM Radio. Okay, so the, the, the TRC was, was inconclusive, in effect. So, right? so in other words, my testifies, um, none of the security branch officers apply for amnesty or, or they are subpoenaed. So, in other words, they witnessed mass testimony and, and continue enjoying life in a democratic society. So, no, nobody came up? Nobody applied for amnesty, nor was anybody subpoenaed. Okay. But it has then emerged that the TRC investigator actually approached João Rodriguez. The same Rodriguez at that time. At that right. time. Yeah. They had one consultation, um, and Rodriguez then said he needs his uh, legal team present. The TRC investigator resigns. And the matter just comes to an end. So there was an absolute hole. Because if it was subpoenaed, it would have, well, we would have been speaking 10 years beforehand, right? Most certainly. Most certainly. Okay. So that still leaves, I would think, your mother, your grandmother disgruntled and, and even and, more bitter now, right? And, and, and after she testifies, her health just deteriorates. And within a period of 10 months, she passes away. Yeah. Wow. Sure. What then happened? So 2005, you, you write the book, you put the book together. But then you get the call free. So 2015 is significant in terms of where we are now, right? But I can just rewind a bit. So 2005, I published a book, which is a biography, without asking the pertinent questions. But 2002, I have a telephonic conversation with one of the senior interrogators of Uncle Ahmed's detention, mm -hmm. Johannes Henry Cloy. And we have three telephonic conversations in Afrikaans, Ashraf. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I make a passionate plea to him that, look, is it are you prepared to meet me? I want to understand the context of what happened to Uncle Ahmed. How did it impact on you? And so forth. And he actually triggered me because he responded and said, look at the 1972 inquest records. I have nothing to account for. Your uncle committed suicide and look at Magistrate de Villiers' findings. So why are you pestering me, even threatening me that I'm harassing him mm -hmm. and he's going to lay charges against me? So that fell on deaf ears. Um, I approached the NPA also during the same period to say pursue the matter because there's evidence at our disposal. Uh, there's Dr. Salim Isup who was brutally tortured. Who was in prison at the same time, Who right? was yeah. arrested with Uncle Ahmed at the same time. Um, I gave them uh, pictures of Uncle Ahmed's body lying in the mortuary, testimony of other detainees. That again fell on deaf ears. Um, so after 2005, I started researching for the second book. Make contact with Yasmin in 2009. Go back into a state of limbo to 2015 while I'm doing research and then approach Yasmin and say, look, I'm ready. Yasmin assembles a team at the Foundation for Human Rights, um, composing of private investigator Frank Dutton and human rights lawyer Howard Vani. And for a year, you know, we conduct investigations. Fast forward to January 2016. 
We're the same team with Advocate George Bezos. We go to the NPA uh, meeting with uh, the director at the time, uh, Advocate Sean Abrams, mm-hmm. present two cases. Uh, the Timol matter as well as the Dr. Neil Eggert matter. Okay. And th- at the same time, important figure. Important yes, figure. Absolutely. So this is 2016. Fast forward till the anniversary in October, where the NPA then make a decision and say, look, you know, we're giving the go-ahead. Uh, the NPA has agreed. Um, uh, Minister of Justice and the, and, and, and the judge uh, president has agreed. And on that particular basis, the reopening of the Timor inquest commences on the 26th of June, 2017. So that's just, just over a year ago, right? So, so, and, and now so much has changed in that period. So since so the comment, court commences 26th of June, um, it concludes on the 12th of October, where Judge Bo- Billy Motley makes this historic landmark ruling, um, says that Rodriguez must be charged, as well as Neville Elson said sons. So let's, let's confirm that the ruling then said what? The ruling said that Ahmed Timol did not commit, su- commit suicide, but that he was murdered. Okay. And that Joao Rodriguez must be charged as an accessory to murder. That right. was the ruling by Judge Billy Motley. So since the 12th of October, for a period of three to four months, the docket moves up and down from the NPA in Silverton to Johannesburg. And one must commend the role of the DPP in Johannesburg, Advocate Chaoke, who takes this docket and says, look, I'm going to run with this particular matter. So for a period of four months, there's no work done on this docket. Assembles a team, and one must again commend the prosecutors and investigating officers who've been brave and bold enough to actually run with this matter. And in a short period of time, Rodriguez has his first court appearance on the 30th of July, um, and we've had two subsequent court appearances, and we go back to court on the 22nd of October, next week, Monday. So, okay, so, so what, 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 where are we at now in terms of going to court, what, you know, in, in terms of the proceedings? What, what, what's coming up? We should not forget that Rodriguez has got legal representation that is covered by the state. Covered by the state. Why, why is that? Because remember in the case of uh, Nokutula Similani, right. when the security branch operatives were charged, they then made an appeal and said they don't have uh, legal funding. The matter has been dragging on for a number of years till eventually a ruling was made that the police service in a democratic South Africa must cover the cost of these apartheid-era police officers. So, in fact, the, the, the democratic South Africa now will, will defend or, or, or put up the, the cost and the legal team to defend his position of, in fact, uh, jeopardizing the democratic state, if, if I look at the role of Ahmed Timor, right? Absolutely correct. Yeah. So okay. in the case of Rodriguez, he's got three legal representatives. He's, he has an instructing attorney, he's got a defense attorney, and then he's got a, 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 a senior counsel. Three legal representatives. And we've already had three court appearances. And that is why Judge Munama's uh, uh, ruling last week Monday, or this week Monday, was very, very important. That he's not going to tolerate these tactical delays on the part of the defense team. Remember, they are, they're arguing for a permanent stay of prosecution against Rodriguez. And we're still waiting to hear on what grounds. So he's given them a time frame that by this Friday they need to file papers. We go back to court next week, Monday, for him to look at those particular papers. And then for the state, under some period of time, for them to respond. And as every day passes on, Ashraf, Rodriguez is 79 years old. Okay, so, yeah. So time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. So our urge and plea is that this matter gets fast-tracked as quickly as possible. Because if Rodriguez passes on tomorrow, the entire case collapses. And our attempts to get answers that we are desperately searching for, 
And we totally believe that this man has got all the information because he, till now, sticks to his version that he was the last person in the room with Uncle Ahmed. So he has valuable... Okay, so that he's already gone on record as saying, I'm the last person. He made. He, this was his version yeah. last year. Mm. And even now, in the three court appearances, he sticks to his version that he, he accepts reality, that he was the last person in the room with Uncle Ahmed. But his version is that when he saw Uncle Ahmed, Uncle Ahmed was free of any injuries. No marks, no bodies. He was absolutely healthy. And his version that he attempted to save Uncle Ahmed darting across the table, flinging to his death yeah. on the 10th okay. floor. Okay, wow. Well, there you are. Fascinating. Now, if you wish to join in on the conversation, that's great. If you simply want to listen to uh, MTS Kanji uh, relating this, this very important story of the issue of a person in custody who just happened to have been his uncle, who then died in custody, Ahmed Timur, 1971. Um, that's one thing. But, of course, like that, there's, there's a whole lot, I think 20, 30 other South Africans who also died in custody. And we'll talk about that as well. So, 891 104 0708911042 if you're smsing it's um, 40938 and if you are tweeting as always hashtag SAFM viewpoint and then tag me Ashraf Garda and certainly tag SAFM radio as well the show is called the viewpoint let's get yours SAFM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful, does not amount to hate speech, or contain violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. PO Box 142365. Craig Hall, 2024. Fax to 011-326-3198. Or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za. 8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. Tonight's uh, big hitter, MTR's Kaji in an ideal world, we should be speaking to Ahmad Timol and his role that he played as a teacher and then as an activist. Uh, didn't quite work out that way, died at a very, very young age in 1971, part of the uh, part of the struggle, part of the SACP at that time. John Foster Square is where he was, and as you now know, um, the, the ruling uh, is that he was tortured and effectively killed from the 10th floor, then thrown down from the 10th floor, uh, John Foster Square all those years ago. MTS Kaji is his nephew who has ensured that a case that was long dead to excuse the pun has been brought alive so that we understand exactly what happened with the death of his uncle. A very, very important I think seminal moment in terms of where we are. So with regard to Zhao Rodriguez, you said seventy nine, you are you saying okay it's not for us to say how long he's got to live, but Assuming there are there are delays and, and his story doesn't really come through any longer, although now he's, he's being he has to defend a charge uh, as an accomplice to murder, which is very different to say simply give your story at, at the TRC, right? Do, do you think you're going to be shortchanged? Haven't you already got what you wanted, which is that your uncle was murdered look, versus your uncle jumped? No, look, we've made we've made significant uh, progress. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But here's a golden opportunity for Joe Jan Rodriguez, you know, to make full disclosures and full confessions and to give precedent in the country for other perpetrators and victims to come forward and to reconcile. Now, the alternative is that if perpetrators are not coming forward, Ashraf, 
Then we head to the courts of law. Mm-hmm. We understand the challenges in the country, in the judicial system, all the problems that the government of the day are facing. But there's absolutely no way that victims' families are going to allow these matters simply to disappear. They've been waiting patiently since the TRC report was handed over to government 20 years ago. I mean, i give you a simple example. The families of uh, Nicodemus Khawati, Solim Odipani, and Jacob Bonahotla, three activists killed in Hilbron in 1969, the Modipani family never testified at the TRC, was never given the 30,000 rand compensation, wow. was given no counseling, absolutely nothing. The Khawati family have been in contact with me for a number of years, and Tate Ben, the eldest son, is looking at this particular case at his age in the mid-70s okay. as a glimmer of hope that in his lifetime that he will find some form of closure. And this is a clear common pattern with families throughout the length and breadth of this country who don't have the capacity, who don't have the resources, who don't have the technical and infrastructure support to take these matters to a higher level. And, and would, the, would the TRC have done that or, or, or not? Look, I think, you know, initially I was very critical of the TRC. But in hindsight, the TRC was, was, was merely laying a foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did not have the capacity and resources to investigate all these cases. And they were handed over to the ruling party of the day. Mm, mm. And hence, the Mbeki administration must take responsibility as to why these TRC matters were not pursued. Now, surely, Ashraf, the heinous crimes of apartheid cannot only be placed on Dirk Kutsia and Eugene de Kock. Absolutely. Mm. Where are all the other generals and all the other uh, complicit... It's the same accusation on state capture. That that if we say it's 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 a president or a deputy or a cabinet minister, you needed hundreds of people to be part of the system. But this it? is the beauty of history of how it repeats itself, and the principle can be applied. So exactly in the same context, and it is in this context that I make the plea to the likes of Max Dupree um, and uh, Jack Poe, who've exposed apartheid era mm, courts, mm, mm, who've got valuable intelligence at their disposal. Why aren't they coming forward in a democratic South Africa and assisting other families? Families are desperately seeking assistance and seeking intervention. You see, well, do you think, I mean, they, I'll get to some of the calls. In fact, let, let me get to some of the calls now, right? 891 104 you need your headphones on. Jay, go ahead. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, Jay, you're on the air. Yes, yes. Thank you. Good evening to you and your guests. Thank you. Yes, Rodriguez, at this stage of his life, he should come out and tell the truth because... He, he will go, his soul will go in peace. He had told the truth in, in, in spite of the fact, knowing that he did it wrong. And at the same time, I feel they just want to make Timor look as a coward who has taken his life and not showing that he was a hero standing up for democracy and for the people of this country. So there, there's a twist in the tale here. He wants to look the hero and make them all the coward and, uh, you know... Uh, okay, but I mean, don't, don't you think that's already moved on? I mean, because there's already a finding that's turned around. moved on, mm. but at this stage of his life, he should realize he's got very little time to live. So let him, he should come out and tell the truth and, and be uh, some kind of a hero in, in the history, in the making. So let's not his name be forgotten at least at this stage of his life Tell the truth. Okay, Even got that. Wrong. Thanks for that, uh, Jay. We'll get we'll get further thoughts in 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 just a moment. You, you, you do you, do you agree with that statement? You know, 
that the he, that Rodriguez won't come out, or he needs to come out, but he wants to be the hero and see Timol as the coward. And look, I, I mean, I've 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 had close-up encounters with him without having a conversation since last year, Ashraf. What is very very evident is that he shows absolutely any sign of remorse, absolutely nothing. Okay, and Jimmy, I think Jimmy, Jimmy Kruger like absolutely leaves me cold. Yeah. And it, it appears as if he's still living in 1972. He sees himself as a folk hero, you know, by, by defending the apartheid regime. And, uh, you know, we've been consistently making the plea mm. to him through his legal team. If he makes full confession and full disclosures, even at this particular time, there's always an option of a plea bargain, you know, when the state and his team can negotiate. But, but what would be the... the look, it's difficult for... Ideally, we should have him in studio, but it's difficult to... <laughs> For you to answer, but but what would be the motivation for him at this age, at, at the age of eighty, to 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 come up and 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 confess, even the plea bargain, if we already agree that his life, uh, you know, the age of eighty, how much more has he got? What would, how do you sell that motivation to him to say this is why? You see, it's on his conscience, Ashraf. Mm. I mean, it's the likes of Adrian Flock coming forward and, and washing the feet of Reverend Shikani. Mm. It's yeah. on his conscience. If he's in in the denial mode that he remains to be in, there's nothing that can move him. And then the only language that he's going to understand is the courts of law, and it means imprisonment. And hence, that is why we continue making a passionate plea to him and his legal team, that we understand that there was a conflict, there was a civil war. We want different ideologies and different platforms. He was part of a system. He so, was not so alone. He saw you, oh, I'm a Timor, as an enemy. As an enemy. Right, and he was right. a communist who they loathed right. and they hated. Mm. So it's, the context is totally understandable. If... Ahmed Timon was the only person to have died in police detention. You know, we could have revisited that particular uh, police version of events. There were 73 who died in police detention. So is that, is that the number, 73? According to researchers, okay. wow. it's, it's, it comes to 73. And in every single one of them, the state was never held responsible. We start with Lux Martin Luli in 1963, where his family traveled from Cape Town to Pretoria to be told that he was given a pauper's burial. And, he, and <laughs> his body was only exhumed a number of years ago. So there was a clear common pattern that if you got taken into police custody, if you do not collaborate with the, with the security apparatus, you will be killed in cold blood. And this is exactly what it transpired. And it is in this context that we reach out to Rodriguez, who claims to have been a salary clerk, but a sergeant at that time. And in our view, he was the fall man. Coming from Pretoria, Compol building, he cannot recollect how he gets up to the 10th floor. Now, yeah, yeah. That building's got a history, and any political detainee will tell you that the 8th, 9th, and 10th floors were only accessible to security branch officers, okay. not even uniform. And he's a salary clerk who comes from Pretoria, cannot recollect how he gets up to the 10th floor, and then gets left alone in a room with this dangerous, dangerous so he, does, he can't explain why. He cannot explain why. Okay. Very interesting. Let's get another call. Welcome your thoughts. Chatting to MTR Skarji, uh, the nephew of the late Ahmad Timol, uh, who died in police detention. I can now uh, detention. I can say murdered. 1971, in fact, and now leading. I, I would think we'll, we'll pick up on that. This, this campaign, not just for justice for his uncle, which may well be there already, but for certainly many other South Africans who died, and their stories are inconclusive. Colin from Cape Town. Hello. Hi, Ashra. Yep. Good evening to you and good, good evening to good. Um, your guest there. Thank you. You know something I cannot understand? When people after 40, 30, 50 years or whatever it is, they come and open up a can of worms. Why did they not, as soon as democracy came 
and open up that case. Now, you're getting... Um, okay, I'm not, I'm not going into racism or nationalities. Like, Indian people are going to phone up because Timo was an Indian guy or something like that. But, but, you, but know, you are. Sure. Actually, the next I caller cannot, is... I no, but, 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 but you're calling and you're not Indian yourself. So, what does that tell us, Colin? That, that's a... That's a crazy situation. Let, let, let's, let's focus on the important point. You're saying you can't understand why people will open up a can of worms. Um, no, if you, no, actually, no, if you no, heard MTRs... Okay, I used the wrong end. But what I'm saying, uh, if you heard MTRs, he said I mean, they tried. 70, why was... When Nelson Mandela came into power <coughs> and the truth and reconciliation was taking place and when that never satisfied people... Why didn't I take it further? Now we are already 24, 25 years into democracy, and they want to come out with things like that. I think now, okay, okay, I don't say what the apartheid government did was right, but how are you going to prosecute a 79, 80-year-old person which cannot even remember and and as far as I hear this guy talking, mm. I've heard him uh, the other day talking. I've heard him a few times talking, yeah, your yeah, guest. Yeah. Uh, he was the last, Rodriguez was the last person to see him alive. Okay. Now, now what, if Rodriguez, what if Rodriguez walked out of the room and he committed him, uh, suicide? So in other words, did Rodriguez push him out of the window? Okay, but maybe you're not following the case then. You see, it's not even opinion anymore. There's an actual case, okay? But Colin, I let's do this. Hold it, Colin. Thank you Thank you for your time. Uh, you, you, your, your point, in, in essence, is why should people bring up things after that many years? Let, let, let's get let's get MGS Kanji to give us his thoughts. I'll get to hope as well in a moment, okay? The fact that, that Colin and I disagree on this and we do, it's fine. I think it's important we talk. The show is called The Viewpoint. Okay, I hope you're coming up in a minute. Re- respond to that, Imchas. Yes, Ashraf. I mean, we approached the NPA in 2002. When again, the likes of Rodriguez and all his other uh, colleagues were all living. So it's not as if, perpetra- as if victim families have not been taking this matter to the attention of the NPA. There was a dedicated unit that's set up called the Priority Crimes Litigation Unit. And it's imperative that they need to account as to what they've done since 1998 when they were handed the TRC reports. For the last 20 years and the record speak for itself that the Timor matter has been the first matter and we should not forget that the Agat and Similani cases were brought to the attention of the NPA prior to the Timor matter and they are still dragging on in the courts of law and the question is why, why? and that, that's a big issue isn't it uh, anything else you want to tell Colin well I mean anywhere in the world we are entitled to remember our history and to preserve our history and the sacrifices of our fallen heroes and heroine, um, and we are entitled to do so. And I think this is the, the problem that we face in a democratic South Africa. We want to, we want to celebrate a particular day for Nelson Mandela and a mm. few other icons. But when we talk about the reality of what apartheid had done and how it had destroyed and murdered young men and women in this country, mm-hmm. we then find it difficult to comprehend. And we then raise the question, why are we bringing it out now? There is absolutely no way that victims, families are going to allow these matters to simply disappear off the radar. And the Timor matter has given impetus and momentum to many, many other families in the country to ensure that these processes get back on the table and that the NPA starts being held accountable and the govern, government of the day being held accountable to ensure that these cases get pursued. And, and here's the thought. I mean, 
One thing is holding the apartheid South African government accountable for what happened. But right or wrong, there was a state of war, right? We, we accept Correct. that. To what degree then do you hold the democratic government accountable for for not ensuring that justice was pursued for a whole range of people that ideologically were actually married to, to, to the ruling party? Now, this is the painful te- reality that, that many victims' families have got to deal with, Ashraf. And it's very, very painful that their same comrades who were fighting with them in the trenches are now in the corridors of power. Expect us as victims' families to commemorate anniversaries, and that's where it ends. But we don't want to dig further to find out who was responsible for the killing of these men and women. Not just in this particular country, even in neighboring countries, the likes of Joe Kabi, the Matola Raid, and others. So are victims' families just supposed to accept that a decision was made that these matters don't get pursued? And are just supposed to accept that decision? It can't be. And the reopening of the Timor matter has given momentum and has shown that once pressure is mounted, investigations are done um, with the assistance of uh, civil society and so forth, the courts of law have got absolutely no option. But to, but to pursue that, yeah. But to well, pursue I mean, the what, what comes to mind, you know, Steve Biko's story again, you know, conclusive, inconclusive, Ruth first as well. So it cuts across all colors in terms of people opposing a system. There's always hope, as always, hope. Go ahead, hello. Uh, good evening, and to him, yes. Uh, good evening. Good evening. I've, I've attended the, some of the sittings of the case. Yeah, hope. Are you still there? All right, Hope, do, do call back. I'll take your call. I, I want to hear, Hope, of course, uh, we'll, we'll get to you in a moment as soon as you come on. L- let's then broaden the, okay, two things before we broaden it. W- when, you, when, when you finally had the ruling last year that, in fact, your uncle was, was murdered, he was tortured and murdered, uh, what impact did it have on your family? Of course, his parents had both passed on, right? But, but, but just share, what, what, how did it matter to your family? What happened to them? Look, I think, you know, a state of shock, uh, total state of awe. Nobody ever comprehended that when I initiated these particular attempts that it would ever bear any fruition. But this is society that we live in because we come from a generation where we've accepted it. And that is why when I grew up, to mention the names of my uncle was a problem. Could not comprehend why do you want to pursue this particular path. So... Difficult to grasp and comprehend that reality has really sunk in and that the annals of history will now reflect that our beloved uh, uncle did not commit suicide. So it, it has taken time for it, to, you know, for it to absorb. But I think now that reality has sunk in, obviously it's the next phase that we're entering. And obviously we need to explore as to how far we can take the prosecution mm. of Joe Rodriguez, Neville Els and Seth Sons. Not forget that Els and Sons a year later the investigations are still continuing. They're in the early 80s. Yeah, wow. And we've got no idea whether how close they are to completion of the investigation. And again, the question arises. So someone, so, so do I take it now that planned, unplanned, you now have emerged and will emerge as, as the champion of, of pursuing these cases on behalf of other people? Because what, what has happened to Ahmad Timol is almost a proxy for everybody else. They say, hold it, you've done it with one, help us. Is, is that happening now? Most certainly. Because, you see, this is not a journey for me only about my beloved uncle. It has given me exposure to many, many other families throughout the breadth of this country. Mm. I mean, the Credoc 4, Imam Harun, activists that were not killed in police detention, but the likes of Ashley Creel, Colleen Williams, Robbie Waterwich, the Khawati family, uh, 
the Dr. Hafiji matter that yeah. is you know, that that, very yeah, open. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it has given impetus and given hope to this generation. Many of them elderly in the 60s, 70s who never fathom that in their lifetime anything would happen for their loved one. And, and, and is this group of people, that this unique group of families who have one thing in common, that their, their parents, their grandparents were lost dying in police custody? Do, do you people meet as a group? Look, I mean, it's initial phases, but we've been in contact. And, and remember, we are doing the initial investigations. Because if the state was playing its part, investigations would be completed. Absolutely, yeah. And exactly the, 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 the strategy... But, but also it would be, you know, Heritage Month has just come and gone. It would be part of, of, of the state's responsibility, isn't it, to ensure that the heritage story is told correctly. And therefore, even if, if you're pursuing it as one thing, but in fact, it should have been a state project to say, absolutely, we need to nail this thing down. Isn't it? Most certainly, because, I mean, this is, the onus has got to be on the state. And the fact that the state is not doing this, hence we embark on these, on these projects. So on the Timor matter, we had an exhibition in 2015. Now we're converting it into an electronic digital exhibition, looking for partnership, looking for funding. We must talk about it. Why, why is the state not doing it, in your opinion? Well, I think, understandably, they face with enormous challenges, I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis. But I don't think that should excuse them from taking responsibility with dealing Something with our unfinished TRC yeah. businesses. All right. Hope we may have lost you because of a bad line, but do call back. I want to get your thoughts. Mujalifa, however, is with us from Kronstadt. Uh, welcome to the show. This is The Viewpoint, so give me yours. Hi. Thanks, uh, Ashraf. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you. May I salute your guest there for his courage and resolute? Yes. Having said yeah. that, mm. can you hear me? Yeah, we can listen. We can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. Having said that, what I really want to say, I, I think, uh, Ashraf, is that these kinds of things, as horrendous and as evil as they have been, I think if all the sites, the perpetrators and their families could have um, really, shall I say, manned up, mm -hmm. stood straight and said, look here, we or our loved ones who may have gone or who are still here right. have done really bad things to you. And in the very same spirit, spirit of the TRC, but beyond the TRC now, we come and we really don't care what the outcome of this might be mm -hmm. for we want closure and peace. So we just want to say to uh, people who have been wronged, killed so we just want to say sorry i think this would really give us as a nation a very important uh, moment of national reconciliation and we talk so much about social cohesion yeah yeah and yeah. i think that would really cause uh, become a foundation for a real social cohesion okay stay Where stay on hold believe that no agree and say look we have done something wrong we are sorry those who have been aggrieved then could say whatever they want to say they are still painful i mean they are still having pains in the in, in themselves so accept what they say but continue saying we are sorry and i think that indeed would take us very far as a country okay that's what i want, I want to you say, to Arthur. but you just stay on hold for the moment because there may just be a chance that mtrs may want to ask you something it's an interesting thing so, in effect, if I can understand it, Mojalefa is talking about another type of TRC, but a very informal TRC, put together simply by the families and the perpetrators and say, whatever happens outside is one thing. We just want you guys to talk to us. 
wouldn't that work because it strips it of legal legalese and, and all implications on that line and you still get what you want which is get them to admit what they've done and then just move on but that is the principal challenge Ashraf. are they prepared to acknowledge their role and their complicity in the killing of our loved ones that is the principal question that must be asked and if they're willing to do so you can be rest assured that many many others victims families would support such an initiative but as long as long as the likes of Rodriguez sticks to their version of events, showing absolutely no remorse, then the court of law are the only alternatives available to victims' families. Yeah. Mujalifa, are you still there? I think, I think we've just lost him. So, so you, you're saying the key the point of departure is they don't show remorse, so you have no choice then but to pursue it. In full disclosure. Yeah. I mean, Rodriguez has got information at his disposal because his version of events can't be true. We've had trajectory specialists, forensic pathologists, that clearly demonstrated anti-mortem wounds on the body of Uncle Ahmed that could not have been caused by his fall. Now, how can Rodriguez's version of events be true that, they nev- that Uncle Ahmed was healthy? When Salim Isuk was comatose fighting for his life, every single other detainee, around, around the same, same period, same time, yeah. every single detainee taken into custody was never left alone at any particular time. And this big catch, the, the leader of the cell, is never touched, never laid a finger on, and, 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 and they expect us to believe that version of events? Okay, fascinating indeed. Let's get another call, Imtutuzeli uh, from Soshanguve. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you. Thank you uh, about this problem. Thank about you. This, uh, problem. It's, it's an important see, issue, you, I'm you sure. You see why uh, the, the, the previous caller is, was saying what he said. You see, they are not just saying thanks to the victims who... who, who, who who accepted this so-called democracy, uh, which was based on blood. Yes, people died, but no one was responsible. Now, he is crying about 40 after after democracy. Why bring all this kind of money? He calls it a kind of wealth. I'm original and from Lamontri. Mishuni uh, is from my location. Where I stayed, where I grew up. Mm, mm. Because he was active, and when he died, no one was responsible. And uh, and uh, and uh, we should have learned from the from the Jews. Jews are still pursuing the very same people who killed who killed the Jews during the First World War. Yet someone comes and says a kind of friends after ten years. Okay. I got that. Your line's just getting very crackly towards the end, but I think we've got the gist of what you're saying. I mean, you're saying something consistent with what you've said, that it has to be pursued. Isn't very it? true, Ashraf. Hmm. Speak to Lukanyo Kalata, whose dad was part of the Cleric Four. The decision to take out and remove the Cleric Four was made by the State Security Council. And the Nobel Laureate Prize winner, F.W. de Klerk, was part of the State Security Council. Now, these are pertinent measures, matters that have got to be explored and investigated. So when we make the point that Rodriguez was, yes, part of a chain, part of a system, there were many, many others that are living till today were complicit in the murdering of political activists. And your thought is, is Rodriguez would be at the bottom end of the food chain, isn't it? I mean, in I terms mean, of, of, very of, true. of orders and instruction. Because, I mean, he was, in our view, he was the cover man. He was covering up, he was covering up f- for the security branch operatives after murdering my uncle. And the only way out was for them, you know, to have dropped him from the 10th floor or from the roof of the building. And that is why they had to come up with some version which is difficult to grasp and comprehend. Mm. Let's get another call, uh, 0891-104-207. My guest, MTR's Karji, nephew of the late Ahmed Timol, who was killed, murdered, and that's now, as per the court, in detention, 1971. This is a name that's I'm very familiar with. 
MTBC Squatcher. Good chatting to you. And, and uh, of course, uh, you, you're certainly very known in the public eye, but thanks for calling in. Hello. Hello, sir. Good Thank talking you to you. I'm just calling to congratulate that man for the resilience he has and his family. I think justice has to be done. I know him. I came across him on a steel ledge in the Western Cape at the, city, mm, mm. at the city of Cape Town. And he was on this matter. And so congratulations to you, my brother. And justice has to be done. Road request was not only covering up there, he is still covering up. He must face the music. Well, there you are. Okay, perfect. Thanks, sir. You want to just respond to that? Aluta, continue, my comrade. There we are. MTBC Squatcher, former Western Cape Provincial, from the Western Cape Provincial Legislature, of course. Uh, so there's another name. And people reflect, they, they can't, they, they're not forgetting all these things. Let's talk about two things. The uh, So you've had the one documentary, uh, what is it called? Indians Can't Fly? Is that right? Yes, that was a term that was coined by the security branch officers. It, it was theirs. Yes, and, 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 That's it, was, why you, and it was plummet. detected by Advocate George Bezos. Okay. Um, a very difficult phase, uh, you know, to grasp, but it was a reality because they joked. That when they threw him, they expected him to fly. Okay. And okay. and hence, uh, you know, Enver Samuels produced uh, Indians Can't Fly. Okay. And then last week, uh, you know, somebody to somebody to blame. The Timor Inquest was was aired on SABC three. So so, so the, the one that was flighted last week, and I must say I didn't watch it. I I was occupied with something, but I will see it as sure. well. Anyway, how, how does it differ from that first one? Look, I mean, the first one is is more biography. Okay. I mean, to understand who this man was. Uh, you know, numerous uh, interviews with his close comrades, Issa Aziz Pahad, and so forth. But they, uh, someone to blame deals specifically with the inquest, Ashraf. What we're talking about now. Exactly what yeah. we're talking about, you know, to watch the testimonies of uh, political detainees, um, you know, dealing with the likes of Joe Rodriguez. And I think summed up brilliantly by Anver Samuels, you know, to put together this documentary, um, to put in context the life of my beloved Uncle Ahmed Timo. Okay, let's get another call. Howard uh, from Kimberley. Hi, Howard. Hi, Ashraf. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, I'm on. I'm, I'm, can you hear me? I, I certainly can, and so can the entire nation. So go ahead. Okay, Ashraf. Yeah, Ashraf, I've, I've been listening with, with keen interest. And first of all, we want to sort of, uh, I really want to commend the MTS. I've been following the case, and mm-hmm. uh, in 1971, I was just a year out of matric, and I was an activist myself during those years. And uh, we all knew, I mean, say all of us that were, you know, uh, wise enough to know the, the strategies of the apartheid regime, you know, that uh, that Ahmed uh, was thrown down the window, that he did not commit suicide. Yeah, all right. You just want to respond to that very quickly? No, no, I mean, this... Yeah. Howard, stay, stay on the line just one second. I mean, I mean, Ashraf, what Howard is narrating is basically what activists throughout the country have gone through. And when we mention the name of Uncle Ahmed, you know, we cannot forget the sacrifices of the likes of Howard and any other acti- many, many other activists who have got absolutely no recognition for playing yeah. a pivotal role in the collapse of the apartheid regime. Mm. Now, okay, Howard, thanks for that call, all right? There you are. Are, are you inspired by, by what's happening, Howard, in terms of your understanding? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm just very uh, disturbed and, and unhappy with the way the, uh, the current uh, regime, the government, and it dealt with the, with the case, you know, since, you know, it was brought to the attention and, and, and you know, India has done what he needed to do mm-hmm. and again, well done. But not enough has been done from government, you know, even Rodriguez, yeah, with all yeah. due respect, is old now and, and, and we believe in forgiveness and so forth. But 
it, it's not just blatant just to say you, you know he, he has not shown any remorse as well so uh, you know Indians, and I, I'm very pleased to see that you the time you've taken to speak not for your uncle but for many many you know victims in the country you Nothing. know black white or whatever well done and I'm sure government must really jump on the bandwagon and also apologize to the nation and to the family you know of of, of uh, well, you're right. And, and maybe it's something we need to pursue with government and who the right people are. I'm not too sure we need to exercise our mind to that. Howard, thank you for that uh, for that call, right? Uh, let's just take the obvious in terms of difficulty. Uh, to, for you to get the justice that you needed for your for your uncle, how, how many years of time effectively did you have to put in? So, look, I mean, the actual court proceedings with Yasmin and the team, we started in 2015. Um, so it's three years you know, to get the actual inquest records reversed and now, you know, pursuing the likes of Rodriguez, Els and Sons. But again, you know, without the assistance of, of, of Yasmin and her team, I mean, one is totally stranded. Where does one get the, the funding, you know, to, to assemble such a team, yeah, yeah. Um, to get the necessary support and backing and so forth? Um, so, so Yasmin and, and the Foundation for Human Rights must be commended because, you know, they've taken this load with huge uncertainty as to what direction this this particular project will, you know. You but, the, but the point I want to also bring forward is, is three years is the trial. Uh, obviously, the book was in 2005. There's another one. So th- there's been a lot that you've had to put in over a period of time, right? Um, and, and you're right. If you didn't get the Foundation for Human Rights to support it from a legal point of view, then financially, again, I mean, who can afford it, right? The, the point I'm trying to drive at, because it's an interesting topic in the light of the issues that are on the land debate and, and who's got the wealth and who doesn't have it. That in effect, if 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 other families didn't have someone like yourself, that story is just dead. Well, I mean, the reality is in the Timor family, with the greatest of respect, if I did not pursue it, it would have been the same fate like many many other yeah. families, because the generation has accepted it that we can't do anything, and this is where the concept of champion then comes in. Yeah, yeah. That yes, people must play a role. We've got to. We have dependencies and so forth, but the question is, what are you and I going to do about it? And that's where my journey started at the TRC hearings in 1996. That I said, up till this point of my life, I've been talking about this. And you talk extensively, uh, you brainstorm, you do everything, but not practically doing something. And that's where I started on 30th okay. of April 1996. So we've got four minutes incredibly left uh, in TRC, and I don't want to leave certain things out. I want to get the names. So the first book is called? It's called Timor Quest for Justice. And that, that in effect, is his bio- biography, right? And written as an obedient nephew. Okay, fine. And, and the second one? Look, I'm, we've completed the book with assistance of Oryx Media and the Foundation for Human Rights, but there's a chapter that's outstanding, Ashraf. And that chapter you, deals you with Joe Rodriguez. All right, so it's on, it's, on, it's on pause. It's on pause. All right. And then you've had the two TV things, the documentaries, right? Indians Can't Fly. And the second someone, one? Someone, someone to Blame. Someone to Blame. The now, Timor Link Quest, of yeah. course, they were flighted on SABC even last yes. week, Sunday. Uh, Access to it, YouTube. Is it, is it available? It's 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 on YouTube just for this particular week because Enver Samuels holds the licensing rights to it. But we will put it in the public domain as to how it can be accessed by the public. Okay, need to check it out now. Now here's the important point. Uh, you you somehow threw in the word digital just now. Okay, and and tell us more about that. Not just with the late Ahmed Timol, your uncle, but but is there a go to a simple go to website or an app? where we can find those 70-odd people who died in police custody and their families at, at, the, at the press button. It needs to be that simple. And what has happened to them? Is that available? 
Look, at the moment, we focus purely on Ahmed Timol at www.ahmedtimol.co.za and, and, and to make it a central store, you know, to make it accessible, central portal for all material mm. on, 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 on my beloved uncle. But obviously, the plans are, you know, to, to convert this old-fashioned exhibition into a digital exhibition, and we're completing that with the assistance of, of Dreamfuel and Oryx Media, who've, who've partnered with me for mm. a number of years. And then also to make it available online, um, and speak to MEC Le Sufi to take it out in the schools because, I mean, that is the has market. He, has he said yesterday? He's, he's in principle at our last court appearance, um, you know, he, he has committed to me. But obviously we need funding, which is a major, major challenge. We need the, techs, the, the techies out there to come on board. We've got some innovative ideas to make this exhibition more appealing to the youth. Um, you know, because, I mean, that is, that is our target market, that they need to understand where we come from. And also the fact that he was an educator and the role he had played in conscientizing many, many Absolutely, students, such yeah. as the likes of Ibrahim Borat from the Western Cape, who's a successful businessman today. Well, there you are. So, so at the moment, it's amatimol.coza. Okay, so that would, and that would be links from that yes, to whatever yes, else, right? Yes. And, and, and just to repeat that point, would there be a plan then to have these links or another portal with, with everyone? Look, I mean, that should ideally be. The ideally, case, right? be, but obviously, first we need to we need to populate with the 2017 inquest. We need to update the uh, the digital exhibition, mm -hmm. and then branch off into this theme about deaths in police detention, um, and it and, and and it requires capacity resources. But at the same time, like Tate Ben Khawati says, the mere mention of his father's name by me in any particular interview. It, it There's tears that falls down his face yeah, and wow. gives him a glimmer of hope by the mere mentioning of his name. And this was my journey. Prior to the publication of my book, Ashraf, I would scan the index of, of political biographies. And the name of Ahmed Timol would light up my eyes. Just to see. Just to see a now. name wow. and a reference. So we've got a minute or less, in fact. Let's just confirm. Did, did, were, you, were you born when Ahmed Timol had passed away? What, no, no, what? look, I was born in 1966. Okay, so you were like six years old. I was five years old right. when he passed away. I have, I have uh, special memories with him, driving in the same yellow Anglia in which he got detained, going with him to Mrs. Amina Desai's residence, you know, who was sentenced to five years imprisonment, watching him swim. He loved swimming. And then some images of the funeral. But then with my grandparents, with my great-grandfather going to his cupboard to the cemetery in Rodoport, and coming back to the flat and Ma asking me, did you read for Uncle Ahmed? Okay, just to pray for him. So, okay, we, we're on news now. In, in 15 seconds, maybe one line, one sentence that, that you would use to describe Ahmed Timor. Brave, courageous soldier. Brave, courageous soldier. And you can tweet that. You should do the same as well. MTR's Kanji, uh, you are as well a brave, courageous soldier. You gave up, you, you pursued something that many other people have given up. And tenacity is a very important quality that we need to have. Nephew of the late Amr Timor, thanks for being our big hitter for the night. Most appreciated indeed. We're going to talk about Take Back the Tax. Uh, we'll chat to Yusuf Abramji in a, in a moment in terms of what's happening with that and the tobacco industry. So listen out for that. Let's get the news. It's nine o'clock.